are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you'd like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 341. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 566 to 574. 566. Besides her own knowledge and solicitude for the whole church, the Most Holy Mother again charged her angels to take care of all the apostles and disciples, to console them in all their tribulations, and to haste to their aid in all their difficulties. For by the subtlety of their spiritual nature, they could attend to all this without losing sight of the face of God and enjoying the beatific vision. She thus charged them because it was so important to establish the church and because they were the ministers of the Most High in the works of his hands. She told them also to inform her of all that the apostles and disciples were doing, and especially when they were in need of any clothing. For to this matter... The watchful mother wished to attend in particular, in order that they might go about clothed in a uniform manner, such as they wore when they departed from Jerusalem. By this prudent foresight, the apostles showed no difference in their garments as long as the great lady was alive, but all of them wore clothes of the same form and color, similar to that worn by her divine son. Assisted by the holy angels, she wove her own hand the tunics, for this purpose, and sent them through the angels to the apostles on their journeys, and thus making it possible for them to wear vestments similar to those which had been worn by Christ our Savior. The Great Mother provided that even in their exterior appearance the apostles preached his doctrines and his most holy life. In regard to the other necessities of life, such as food, she left them to begging and to the labor of their hands, to the alms which were offered to them. 567. At the orders of the queen, the angels frequently assisted the apostles in their travels and tribulations, and in the persecutions as well of the Gentiles and the Jews as of the demons who continually excited evil-minded men against the preachers of the gospel. The angels often visited them in visible shapes, conversing with them and consoling them in the name of the Most Blessed Mary. At other times, they performed the same office interiorly without manifesting themselves. Sometimes they freed them from prison. Sometimes they warned them of dangers and snares. Sometimes they accompanied them on their way or carried them from one place to another where they were to preach or informed them of what they were to do according to the circumstances peculiar to certain places or peoples. 
Of all these things, they also kept their blessed lady informed, for she took care of all of them and labored with them more than all of them together. It is not possible to enumerate the cares, solicitudes, and diligent doings of this kindest mother, for not a day or a night passed in which she did not perform many miracles for the apostles and for the church. Besides all this, she wrote to them many times, animating them with heavenly exhortations and doctrines, and filling them with consolation and strength. 568. But what is more wonderful, she not only communed with them by means of her angels and by letters, but she appeared to them herself whenever they called upon her, or when they were in some tribulation or necessity. Although besides appearing to the evangelists, concerning which I have already spoken, she appeared to many of the apostles. I will here speak only of her apparitions to St. Peter, who, as head of the church, stood in greater need of the counsels and assistance of the Most Blessed Mary. Hence, to him, she sent her angels more frequently, and the saint sent those which were assigned to him as pontiff of the church, and he wrote to her and communicated with her oftener than the other apostles. Soon after the Council of Jerusalem, St. Peter was journeying to Asia Minor and came to Antioch, where he first established his pontifical see. On account of the difficulties which he met in the execution of his design, the vicar of Christ was downcast and afflicted, and the most blessed Mary well knew of it, and how much he stood in need of her favor, in order to confer it upon him in the manner suited to the importance of the occasion. She had her holy angels bring her to St. Peter and appear to him, seated on a throne of majesty and at other times. The apostles, seeing her before him so resplendent, prostrated himself before her with wonted fervor and bathed in tears, said to her, Whence this favor to me, a sinner, that the mother of my Redeemer should come to where I am? The heavenly teacher of the humble descended from her throne, and moderating the splendors which surrounded her, knelt before the high priest of the church and asked his blessing. With none of the other apostles, but only with St. Peter, did she observe this conduct in her apparitions to them, although except in these apparitions when she conversed with them in the natural way. She was wont to ask their blessing on her knees. 5.69 But because St. Peter was the vicar of Christ and the head of the church, she descended from her royal throne and showed them reverence, acting as one of the members of the church, yet in mortal flesh. Speaking familiarly with the holy apostle, she conferred with him upon the weighty matters then under consideration. One of them was the advisability of beginning to celebrate some of the feasts of the Lord. After they had resolved on the course to be taken, the holy angels took her back from Antioch to Jerusalem. Later on, when St. Peter, in obedience to the orders of the Savior, had gone to Rome with the intention of transferring the apostolic see to that city, the blessed lady appeared once more to St. Peter. There it was ordained that in the Roman church should thenceforward be celebrated the feast of the nativity of her divine son, of the passion, and of the institution of the most holy sacrament in the manner as it is now done on Holy Thursday, or Maudy Thursday. Later on, after many years was established, also the feast of Corpus Christi to be celebrated on the first Thursday after the octave of Pentecost, as is still the rule. But the first feast of the blessed sacrament on Holy Thursday was instituted by St. Peter as also the Feast of the Resurrection, the Sundays, the Ascension with the Paschal, and other observances of the Roman Church to the present day, and all of them were instituted by the order and according to the counsel of the Most Blessed Mary. After these doings, St. Peter went to Spain, visiting some of the churches founded by St. James and establishing others before returning to Rome.
570. On another occasion before, though very near the glorious transition of the Heavenly Mother, St. Peter, being likewise at Rome, a dispute arose among the Christians which greatly distressed and afflicted both him and all concerned. The apostles remembered the favors he had received in his tribulations at the hands of the great queen, and grieved very much that he should now be deprived of her counsel and assistance. He therefore besought the angels of his guard and those given him as assistants in his office of high priest to manifest his troubles and necessity to the Blessed Mother, in order to obtain help in his difficulties by her powerful intercession with her son. The queen, who knew the fervor and humility of St. Peter, failed not in responding to his wishes. She commanded the angels of the apostle to bring him to Jerusalem, where she then was. They immediately executed her command and brought St. Peter to the cenacle in the presence of his queen. The singular favor inflamed the fervent affections of the apostle, and he prostrated himself before the most blessed Mary, full of joy and tears to see the prayer of his heart fulfilled. The great lady commanded him to arise, and she, instead, fell on her face, saying, My master, give thy servant thy blessing as vicar of Christ, our Lord, my son. St. Peter obeyed and gave her his blessing. Then they gave thanks to the Lord for having fulfilled their wishes. And although the humble mistress of virtues was not unaware of the tribulations of St. Peter and of the faithful of Rome, she listened to his account of what had happened. 571. The Most Blessed Mary advised him of all he needed to know and to do in order to allay the trouble and restore peace in the Church of Rome. She spoke with such wisdom that although he had a high concept of her prudence, he was carried beside himself in his admiration and joy of what he heard and experienced of it on this occasion, and he gave humble thanks for this new favor. Having thus informed him of many things for establishing the church in Rome, she asked his blessing and took leave of him. The angels brought him back to Rome while, as was her wont, the most blessed Mary remained prostrate upon the ground in the form of a cross, asking the Lord to quiet the disturbance. Her prayer was heard, for on coming back to Rome, St. Peter found matters in a better state, and soon the consuls permitted the faithful freely to follow the law of Christ. From these miracles which I have adduced, some insight is afforded in the doings of Mary in the government of the apostles and of the church. For if all were to be recorded, more volumes would be required than I am now writing lines. Hence I refrain from enlarging upon them, in order that in the rest of the history— I may describe the wonderful and unheard of favors which the Lord conferred upon the Most Holy Mary in the last years of her life. Although at the same time I confess that I can give only some stray hints of what I have seen, in order that the Christian piety may be led to the contemplation and praise of the Omnipotent, the author of these venerable sacraments. Instruction which the Queen of the Angels gave me. 572. My dearest daughter, at other times I have spoken to thee of a complaint, which I have against the children of the church, and especially against the woman in whom the fault is greater. In my sight it is abominable, because it is so much opposed to my own conduct in life. I repeat it here, in order that thou mayest imitate me, and I keep away from what the foolish women and daughters of Belial are guilty of, namely treating the priests of the Most High without reverence, esteem, or respect. This fault increases day by day in the church, and therefore I renew this warning already several times recorded. Tell me, my daughter, what must be thought of the fact that priests, the anointed of the Lord, appointed to represent Christ and to consecrate his body and blood, are serving vile, impure, and earthly women. 
that they should stand uncovered and do reverence to a proud and miserable woman, only because she is rich and they are poor. I ask, has the poor priest less dignity than the rich, or do riches confer a greater or equal dignity, power, and excellence than the one given to priests and ministers by my divine Son? The angels have no regard for the rich on account of their possessions, but they respect priests for their exalted dignity. Hence, how could such an abuse and perversity creep in the church, that the anointed of the Lord should be outraged and despised by the faithful, who know and confess them to be sanctified by Christ himself? 573. It is true that the priests themselves are very guilty and reprehensible when they, disregarding their dignity, enslave themselves to the service of other men and much more of women. But if priests have some excuse in their poverty, the rich have none in their pride, that they should, on account of the poverty of the priests, oblige them to be servants, when in reality they are masters. This monstrosity is very abominable to the saints and very disagreeable in my eyes, on account of the veneration I had for the priests. Great was my dignity as mother of God, yet I have often prostrated myself at their feet and considered it a great happiness to kiss the ground on which they trod. But the blindness of the world has obscured the sacerdotal dignity and confounded the precious with the vile. Jeremiah 15.19 It has lowered the priests to the position of the common people by its law and disorderly customs. Isaiah 25.2 Making use of the one as well as the other for their degradation, and the same minister who now at the altar offers the tremendous sacrifice of the sacred body and blood, afterwards leaves it to serve and subject himself to the service, even of women who by nature and by the condition are so inferior and sometimes are made even more unworthy by their sins. 574. I wish then, my daughter, that thou seek to make up for this fault and abuse among the children of the church as far as possible. I give thee to understand that even from my throne in heaven I look with veneration and respect upon the priests who are on earth. Thou must always regard them with the same veneration, as if they were at the altar, holding the most blessed sacrament in their hands, or at their breasts, and even the ornaments and all their vestments, thou shouldst hold in great veneration, just as I, with reverence, provided garments for the apostles. Then, besides what thou hast understood and written concerning the divine scriptures, thou must gauge thy esteem for these writings, by which they contain and enclose, and by means which the Almighty took to incite the evangelists, to write them as well in the Gospels as in the rest of holy writings, the Holy Ghost himself lent his assistance, in order that the church might be rich and prosperous in the abundance of doctrine, of science and light, concerning the mysteries and operations of the Lord. To the supreme pontiff of Rome thou must render highest obedience and veneration before all other men. And when thou hearest him mentioned, show reverence by inclining thy head, as if thou heardest the name of my divine Son or my own named in thy presence. For on earth he takes the place of Christ. And when I lived in the world I showed my reverence whenever the name of St. Peter was pronounced. In order that thou mayest practice my doctrine and find grace in the eyes of the Most High, whom all these works please very much, and who considers none of them small, if done for his love, I wish that thou be very attentive, and a most faithful follower of my footsteps. This concludes our reading today for day number 341. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 566 to 574. What is super interesting, and we heard this a few chapters ago in the apparition or bilocation of Mary while on earth to that of St. James, 
And now here we have St. Peter, who also is receiving apparitions of Our Lady. Mary has a vested interest in the church. She prays for its success. She wants the name of her son Jesus to reach the ends of the earth. And so here she is advising St. Peter, coming to his aid, counseling him at times. One of the things we heard of in our reading today was also about the establishment of the Feast of the Church. So today we have a very liturgical-minded sense that we have different feast days of saints, which will emerge. Uh, but we also have the Feasts of Jesus, and they are enumerated today. And that St. Peter wanted the early church to remember Christ's nativity, to remember the day on which he died, to remember the Passion, all of these different things St. Peter wanted. And here we are, St. Peter, who was the first pope, now, today, with our own Holy Father. This has been handed down to us from the apostles. Something to marvel at. The early Christians celebrated the same feasts that we are celebrating. They experienced, Mary, for example, celebrating Christmas, experienced Christmas herself. The apostles experienced Holy Thursday in the upper room. But how important it was for them to recall those last days of Jesus' life. It's what the apostles do. And I think that's something we do, especially in our own grieving and mourning of someone who has died, that we do the very things that they did. We want to imitate them. We want to remember them. And so we do them. And that's probably the act of why the church does this from the very beginning. They want to remember what Christ did so it never will be forgotten. And it hasn't been. Finally, in the instruction that Our Lady gives today, in paragraph 574, she instructs us to have a great admiration for the priest. And that's probably something that has been lost in our day and age, partly because of the abuse scandals in the church. People in the modern era have lost a sense of respect for the clergy. But as a faithful believer, first of all, pray for your priest, pray for his holiness, pray for him. And then hold him up in respect. If people are speaking ill of him, well, come to his defense. Support your priests. It is through the priests that we hear that we receive the Eucharist, that the sacraments are celebrated. So let us pray for our priests who do just that. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.